Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 20. We're going to finish this chapter. And then most of you know there are 20 eight chapters in the book of Acts. So we got just a little bit left, some big stories to cover. And I'm really looking forward to, to all of that. But uh, if you have out your, your notepad and you're taking notes today, the title of my message, just one word. And that word is courageous, courageous. Can everybody say that word with me? Come on. We're called to be courageous. If there's ever been a time for the church to be courageous, well, y'all, it's right now. It's right now. And this is our moment as the church to shine. This is our moment. And I know that there's a lot of fear in the world today. There's a lot of fear in the church. And how many of y'all know fear, fear is contagious. How many of y'all know that's true? You ever been around someone who's afraid? You were fine until you got around them. But what was on them got on you. And then you weren't afraid, but because you're around them, then you were. Raise your hand if that's ever happened. Yeah, it's contagious. And that's true about fear. But how many of y'all also know that's true when it comes to courage? How many of y'all know courage is contagious? And the aim, I think, is to, well, get around, get close enough to people who have it so we can in turn catch it. And so courage is something that comes from within, but it's also something that is inspired from without. And so today, what we're going to do is we're going to get close to the Apostle Paul. We're going to get up as close as we can to hear what he has to say. And the aim today is to catch the courage that was on him for what was on Paul to get on us. Are y'all ready to receive that today? Because this text I'm about to preach, it's difficult. I always say this, Pastor David gets these easy, feel good, everybody, you know, is ready to just take him out on their shoulders messages because they're so happy that I get the most challenging one. So uh, stretch your hand and pray for me. This is a tough text. Will y'all give me some grace today? Nine of y'all, maybe 11 of y'all. What about the rest of y'all? Give me a little grace today. Because this is going to take work on my part, but it's also going to take work on your part. And that means you got to lean in. Will y'all do your best to engage this text with me? Will y'all do your best? Because this is, this is a hard one to preach, all right? So once again, the title is Courageous. And let's pick it up today in Acts 20, verse 17. And here is what Luke reports. Now from Miletus, he, that is Paul, sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not, you say it, shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and to the Greeks of repentance Toward God and faith and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and affliction await me. 
But I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. What a statement, huh? If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood. Let me say that again. I am innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole. Everybody say whole. The whole counsel of God. Father, I pray today that this word, this message, this speech from Paul would inspire us. I pray that it would encourage us. I pray that every heart would be opened. Every mind would be open to your word. And Lord, I pray today that this message would change us. I pray that this message from Paul would shape our thinking in a new, fresh way. And Lord, I pray today that you would give us courage to be the church, to be the people you've called us to be. And so, Holy Spirit, we know you're here, but we say come. Come in a powerful, fresh way. Open up our hearts and minds, we ask in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Now, there's a lot of history and a lot of geography around this text, but let me just make it as simple as I can. This speech was given by Paul to the Ephesian elders, that is the guardians, that is the shepherds of the church at Ephesus. And this was given at Miletus, and it was in the context of Paul knowing that he was never going to see these, these guardians, these church leaders again. He knew that he would never see their faces again. And so Paul knew that he had to make every single word count. He knew that he had to maximize the moment. He knew that he could not waste words. He knew that he could not go on rabbit trails. He knew that, well, he had to be very to the point. Just like, well, if you had just, say, 30 minutes left with your loved ones. How many of y'all know you wouldn't spend time talking about meaningless, trivial things? If you only had a half an hour, say, with your loved ones, how many of y'all know you would focus on important things, eternal things? Like when I flew to Nashville and spent time with my mom before she passed, uh, I had, well, I had two weeks, but in the final, it was the final day I was there, I got to spend time with her, just us two, and we talked about life, and we talked about precious memories, and I'll never forget that moment with her, and what we shared back and forth, it was so powerful, and so meaningful. Well, if you can imagine, Paul's thinking this way, he knows that this is his chance, this is his moment to impart something to these leaders, to these elders, and so he takes full advantage of it. And we've only read part of it so far, but, but here's what I want you to see. That in this speech, this farewell speech, Paul's aim was not to impress them. His aim was to impress something upon them. His aim was not to impress them with his speech. It was to impart something to them that would make a real difference in their lives. 
And as we read through this, this episode, through this speech, we, we see several things emerging from his speech that were practical for the leaders then, but are also practical for us today. First of all, Paul says, and I love the language here, he says to these elders, he says, you yourselves know how I lived among you. The whole time, from the first day he said that I, stood, I set foot in Asia, he says this, I serve the Lord with all humility, with tears, and with trials. In other words, from the day I got here, I have been faithful to serve the Lord. And I love Paul's language. He says, you yourselves know the way I lived. You yourselves know the way I carried myself. Paul is basically saying, I didn't just preach the gospel. I didn't just preach a message. I lived the message. And how many of y'all know, this is the time right now when it's not good enough for us to just preach the word. Come on, church. We've got to live the word. And both are important. Both are important. Preaching the word, of course, is important. But it's not enough just to give speeches. It's not enough just to, to get the message right, though we should do that. We have to preach the word and we've got to live the word. We've got to walk out the word. Are y'all tracking today? And so for Paul, listen carefully, example was everything. He says, you yourselves know. You yourselves know the way I lived. You yourselves know I served the Lord in this way. You know about my way of life. Let me break it down in this way. In other words, Paul is saying, I had integrity. I lived as a man among you with integrity. And when you think of that word integrity, think of the word integer, which from math means what? Whole, not a fraction, but whole, an integer, whole, a person of integrity is a what? A whole person. Are y'all with me? Did I lose you on the math thing? <laughs> a whole, you're a whole person. You're a whole person. In other words, what you see is what you get. What I see in you is what I get. You're not divided into parts, contradictory parts, uh, but, but you're a whole uh, person of character. Paul's saying, this is who I was. I was a man of character. I was a man of integrity, a whole person among you. And how many of y'all know that's exactly what he's calling us to be right now, today as the church, not just having a message, but living a life that is whole and complete and consistent with the words that we preach. Are y'all with me today? Whole and consistent. It doesn't mean you're perfect, but when you blow it, you make it right. It means when, when, when you sin, you repent. That means turn. You forsake it. You get back on track. And y'all, wouldn't it be amazing to, at the end of your life, if you're given the opportunity to give a farewell talk to your, your kids who grow up, to the people around you, to your family, to your church, to look back and say, you yourselves know I wasn't perfect, but I was a man of God. I was a woman of God. I lived for the Lord. It's not about making money. It's not about what you do to, to, to build your platform. It's not about the accolades. It's not about the degrees. But won't it be amazing by the grace of God in those farewell moments of our lives to say, we have served the Lord. We stood with God through a pandemic. We stood for God through the midst of political turmoil. We serve the Lord through it all. God, help me be able to say that to my children and children's children. Everybody say integrity. 
Paul was a man of integrity, a whole person. And he says, you yourselves know it. But secondly, Paul was not only a complete whole man. He was, oh, so courageous. When I read Paul, I'm like, that's my man right there. And it's not because he is the quintessential modern macho man, chauvinistic macho man, fighting people in the way we think of superheroes today. He fought with truth and with love and with the word of God. And how many of y'all know that should be our weapons of choice today? The word of God and truth. The grace of God and his truth. I read Paul and I'm like, man, Paul, I want to be, well, ultimately like Jesus. But Paul, you are such a good representation of Jesus. You give me an example that I myself can follow. He said this, I did not shrink from declaring to them, to you, to the people here, anything that was profitable and teaching them in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, Paul is saying that he was faithful to teach. He was faithful to preach no matter what culture said, no matter what people said. Paul's resolve was to stand on the word and to preach that word. And no one was going to move him an inch. No matter what opposition came against him, no matter what people said about him, he was beaten, he was canceled, he was cursed. But Paul's aim was ultimately not to live and please them, it was to live for and please God. And he stood his ground from the beginning to the end. He said, I've run the race, I've finished the course, and I've got a crown waiting for me in heaven. Y'all, I can't wait to get to heaven for the Lord by his grace to place that crown on your heads and my heads as we finish the race that he He's given us as he's, as he's given us this race. As we look out in front of us, there are many dangerous toils and snares, but y'all we've got to be people of courage. My God, he's looking for people in the church of courage. Like Paul who said in first Corinthians 15, 32, he said, I fought wild beasts in Ephesus. And that's not a reference to literal animals. That's Paul saying, I have wrangled with, I have fought Human opposition in Ephesus. And how I many of y'all know we got some wild beasts to fight today? <laughs> if Paul had some in Ephesus, how I many of y'all know we got some to wrangle with today? We got some wild beasts. It's sin, the world, the flesh, and the devil, as Luther called it. And we, we've got beasts all around us, opposition all around us. But Paul's saying, I fought the beast. I didn't, sh- I didn't shrink. I didn't shy away from preaching the truth to you and to all who would listen. Instead of shrinking, he stood firm. He stood fast. He looked at his audience flat-footed, no matter what the response was. And he said, thus saith God. How many of y'all know we need people like that in the church today who will stand flat-footed, looking people in the eye with love and compassion and humility and say, thus saith God's word. It's not just for me with the mic. I'm going to do it loud and proud, but it's also for you as men, as women of God at this Midtown campus to say, thus saith God by his word and with his authority. And it doesn't matter what people say or how they respond. You're not responsible for that. You're responsible for the word, for the message that God's given you and he's given me. Are y'all with me? 
It's hot. Paul said he's going to Jerusalem and Holy Spirit testified to him that his best life was just up ahead. No, that imprisonments and afflictions awaited him. Like I I read Paul. I'm like, this dude is unstoppable. Like, you know, modern pastors, not all. Some would would read this and be like, okay, the Holy Spirit showed me if I do this, I'm going to be in jail. So, uh, uh, where's Amy? Amy's not here today. Uh, Amy, it's time for sabbatical. I'm going to take a little vacation time. Let's let things just settle down. Paul said, it's not that he didn't know. He said the Holy Spirit has shown him, constrained him to go to Jerusalem, knowing that imprisonment awaited him, but he went anyway. And you look at the early church and you look at all that Paul did and people are like, wow, man, how did he have so much fruit in his ministry? Hello. Because he was resilient and tenacious and he did whatever God told him to do. He said, I'm going, I'm going. And he said, I don't count my life as having any real value, but my one goal is to finish the race of preaching the gospel. And Paul's aim wasn't to prolong his life or to preserve his life. It was to give it away for the sake of the gospel. And how many of y'all know that was courageous of him? Let me just say this for you today. If you are here and you are in Christ, if you've got breath in your lung and a beat in your heart, and if you've got the word in you, listen to me carefully. If you're a Christian, if you're a true believer, then if you're alive today, God's purpose for you is not done. Let me just say that one more time. If you're alive today in Christ, you're like, why am I here? Because God has a purpose for you and he will keep you here as long as he wants to keep you here. And then when his purpose for your life is complete, then he will get you out of here and you will be with Christ to live as Christ. But to die is, but it's better for you. Paul said, I stay with you for obvious reasons. Come on, y'all. If you're here today, you've got breath in your lung and a beat in your heart. Come on. God's purpose for you is not yet complete. So that means that, well, I'm not just going to sit around and wait for it to be fulfilled. It means that by the spirit of God, courage needs to be activated in you to step into all that God has for you and this community. Henry Martin said, and he's right. Knowing all that we know, we are immortal until God's work for us is done. You are immortal until God's work in you and for you, it's done. In other words, listen, you don't want to be stupid. You don't want to be foolish. You don't want to, as the scripture says, die before your time, right? Let's be wise. Y'all going to be wise? Some of y'all? All All right, we'll do a message on wisdom soon. You don't want to be foolish. Someone said, well, the will of God is the safest place you'll ever be. Listen to me. That's kind of true. But the will of God, let's just make it simple. Just ask Jesus. (laughs) The will of God, how did that end? On the cross, thank God there was a resurrection. Listen to me. The will of God is not safe. 
But the will of God is sure. And when you step into it and you're walking in obedience to God, he will be with you every step of the way and he will make your life count. He will make every step count. And it's not safe, but the will of God is sure. Douglas Wilson, great wordsmith. He says this, desperate times. Are we in desperate times? Desperate times call for faithful men and not for careful men. The careful men come later and write the the biographies of the faithful men lauding them for their courage. Listen, church, we need faithful men. Men, I'm calling you to be faithful and to be courageous. And ladies, guess what? You're not off the hook. The Lord is raising up faithful and courageous women in this church. The times call for it. So are you ready to step into it? Desperate times. Well, y'all, we're in desperate times. I don't know how we can get any more desperate. And Wilson is right. God's looking for faithful men and women. Paul said, I'm innocent of the blood of all. Wow. For, he says, I did not shrink from declaring to you and to everyone who listened the whole counsel of God. Everybody say whole counsel. That means, well, all of it, not just parts of it. What is the whole counsel of God? Maybe you've heard that said. My preacher, he preaches the whole counsel of God. Man of God, you need to preach the whole counsel. What does that even mean? Well, here's my definition. The whole, the whole counsel of God, well, it's the whole gospel. It's what the scriptures say about Jesus, the Messiah. It's what the law and the prophets predicted about Jesus, the Messiah. It's what the whole Bible says about the kingdom of God. It's what the whole Bible says about law and sin and grace. It's what the whole Bible says about atonement. It's what the whole Bible says. It's not isolating one message And then using that one message as, well, the main thing, it's seeing the whole Bible. And whenever you get one message, you have to measure that message in light of the whole of Scripture. And how many of y'all know, if you're a lazy Christian, if you're a lazy preacher, you'll never hear, you'll never get the whole counsel of God. But here's what I love about y'all. I can't speak for other churches. You come every Sunday, at least most of you, and you get to hear the Word of God. You're hungry. You want to grow. You're not satisfied with just getting a snack. You want the whole buffet. Come on, somebody. And maybe you don't. Maybe you're like, well, I'm just not there yet. That's okay. We love you anyway. But listen, whether you want it or not, it is my duty to give you, like Paul, the whole counsel of God. He didn't shrink from that. He shared it. It didn't matter what people said. He was constrained by the Spirit. And he said, I've done it. Ephesian elders, I'm about to peace out. But I want you to know, I'm innocent of the blood of all. You know what that means? It means this. God gave him a message. And Paul was constrained, commanded to share it. If Paul didn't share that message, well, their blood would be on his head. Read Ezekiel 33. But if he shared that message, and he did, if he was faithful to do that, then he would be innocent of the blood of all who didn't respond well. He said, I'm, I'm innocent. 
he preached the whole counsel of God. And I am concerned today. And I don't want to be ugly or rude or I don't want to overstate my case. I'm very careful, very careful to, to not do that. But it seems like there's a lot of preaching today that's focused on how many keys are on a keyboard? Who knows? Does anybody? Okay, sound booth, media? Huh? Okay. It seems like some just, they got that one key they hit. And I'm like, dude, you know there are other keys. And when you go across scripture, there are many truths, so much that it can seem overwhelming when I go through them. But I, I, I'm concerned that we, we're not hearing the whole counsel of God. And when you, when you don't preach the whole counsel of God, you're going to get immature Christians who themselves are not whole in Christ. Does that make sense? So, Pastor Scott, why do you go verse by verse and why do you preach? So I'm not claiming to be better. I'm not, forget that. I know. I know who I am. And I'm not the greatest. I don't claim to be. But I know there's power in the Word. In the words of the old preacher, my aim is to unleash God's truth one verse at a time. The truth of God into your soul to preach the whole counsel of God so you can become whole in Christ. Does that make sense? The Bible talks about God's love. Thank God for His love. Amen. God is what? The Bible talks about God's grace. Thank you, God, for your amazing grace. Amen? Amen. Yes, let's just thank him right now. If you kept a record of sin, the psalmist says, who could stand? Certainly not me. Thank God for his love. Thank God for his grace. Thank God for his mercy. The Bible talks about all of that. And mercy triumphs over judgment, yes. But the Bible does talk about law and about sin and about judgment. The Bible talks about heaven. How many of y'all ready? Some of y'all better get ready. But the Bible also talks about an everlasting hell. The Bible encourages you, doesn't it? It should. But the Bible, if you read all of it, will also warn you. And I wrote this the best way I could write it and say it. Y'all hear my heart today? I'm not thinking about anybody in particular here. Just let this apply to you. Let this land however it needs to land. I want to warn you about teaching and teachers that never warn you. Let that, just for a second, think about what I just said. I want to warn you, in the the church, I want to warn the church about teaching about teachers that never warn us. Now, I know that's what some of you are thinking right now. Well, Pastor Scott, we see that in the Old Testament. I mean, wow, boom, all in judgment, and just, ah, Moses got them, and, you know, God got them, and, you know, read the story of Noah. And, yeah, I understand. There are warnings all through the Old Testament. But how I many of y'all know? Jesus, who was the most loving man, who has ever or will walk this earth, warned people regularly. Jesus warned. The apostles warned. 
And I'm here as the shepherd of this house to warn you about teaching that doesn't warn you. Remember, God has given us his whole counsel in the scriptures. And as Christians, we must be willing to receive all of it, not just the parts we prefer. My name is Pastor Scott, and I'm still your friend, I hope. But my favorite verse, John 3.16, I love John 3.16. But there's also John 3.15, there's also John 3.17. People highlight and isolate verses, but how many of y'all know those verses are a part of, uh, well, a larger train of thought that are in a paragraph, that are in a book, that are in, uh, you you understand. We got to look at the whole counsel of God and see what God has to say and then find it and then obey it. Come on, church, y'all ready to do that? Let's hear the whole counsel of God. And let's receive it and obey it. Speaking of warnings, listen to what Paul says next. We're, we're, we're getting ready to get ready to close. Acts 20, verse 28. I know it's hot. Y'all are amazing. Stick with me. You could be in the upper room with Paul going on and on and on and on. Paul, listen, Paul says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. To care for the church, which he, through Jesus, of course, obtained with his own blood. He says this. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw the disciples after them. Therefore, Midtown, be alert. Be alert, Ephesian elders. Remembering that for three years, Paul says, I did not cease day or night to admonish everyone with tears. Do you hear his heart coming through in this? Notice he says, the fierce wolves will come in among you. And they will do what? 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 Say what kind of things? Twisted things. For what purpose? To draw, to draw people after themselves to draw them away from the flock. He said, just know that this is going to happen. This is going to take place. They're going to be crooked, twisted people, of course, in the world. But Paul said, you got to watch out for those within the church. <laughs> That's a whole nother level, isn't it? And we don't want to be suspicious of the person to our left and right right now. But how many of y'all know we should be discerning? Don't be suspicious. Don't walk around. You know, some people, it's like they, they think they have the gift of suspicion. <laughs> and like everything, they're just like, that's all they think about is like the ulterior motive. And it's like they're thinking negatively all the time. Don't be that way. Paul said it's going to happen from within. I'm going to say twisted. Y'all, I'm hearing some twisted stuff. Forget the world. Of course the world's going to say twisted stuff. From within. I'm not saying here, but the body of Christ. Some twisted stuff. How do you, how do you know if it's twisted? Well, you've got to know, first of all, what's straight. If you know what's straight, and you've got the straight word of God, Genesis to Revelation, and the fullness of God's revelation therein, then you will be able to readily detect what's crooked and twisted. D.L. Moody says it this way. The best way to show that a stick is crooked, or I could say twisted, is not to argue about it or spend time denouncing it, but to lay a straight stick alongside it. How many of y'all know, in the Word of God, we've got a straight stick. 
It's the eternal straight standard of God's word. And so we have to preach that word and know that word. And we can take that word and lay it beside all the ideologies and teachings coming down by the, through the pipe and be able to discern what's true and what's false. But if you're just living on a little devotional, thank God you're in a devotional. But man doesn't live by bread alone and by Jesus calling alone. But by every word that comes forth from the mouth of God, straight from his word. And I'm not making fun of that or picking on you if you do that. I'm just saying that's not enough. You, we need the word. You say, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough capacity. Cancel Netflix and you might. My name is Pastor Scott and I'm your friend. Hallelujah. But pastors are notorious about getting anxious about what to preach. I'll, I'll never forget, I mean, years ago, I, I've done this myself, I, I would get calls from guys, from pastors, man, you got a word? You got a word? And I know what they mean. But I'm like, yeah, man, I got 66 books worth of words. Oh, yeah, 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 the Bible. Right. But, like, I need a word. I'm like, I started getting nervous when pastors say that to me. What else do you have to say? It's, well, exposition of what the word says. I get that, but... Man, we need courage in the pulpit today. And I don't mean by courage, by, by being courageous. I don't mean mean shepherds. I don't mean harsh shepherds. If I'm that consistently, I'm not qualified to be a shepherd. But my goodness, if shepherds lack backbones, don't be surprised when the sheep do as well. Don't be surprised if they lack the same. I'm so sure of the word of God, nobody can talk me out what I believe. And I didn't inherit it. I studied it. I wept over it. And I stand before you not as a perfect man, but I stand before you as a man who is deeply in love with God's word. And I am under obligation to preach the truth. Nothing but the truth, the whole truth, all of it until the day I die, which could be sooner than I want. say, well, if I preach the word, I'll get me in trouble. I'm like, right? What do you expect? If I live out my Christian convictions, people will cancel me. Right? Just just a quick thing. Uh, So I made one post and talking about the overturn of Roe v. Wade. Okay, hold on. You can watch I don't know, I have, I don't forget how many friends. Anybody else? And I'm like, oh, I didn't know we were Facebook friends because we agreed on everything. People that I haven't heard from in 13 years all of a sudden want to engage my Christian worldview. 
It's astonishing. If I preach the word, it's controversial. Get me in trouble. <laughs> yeah. What are you waiting on? Listen, and I'm talking about pastors here. If you can't handle that, find another job. Just, get, just find another job. Find another job. Let me, let, me, let me wrap up by saying this. To be crystal clear, I do not claim to be the best pastor, the boldest pastor, the smartest pastor, the holiest pastor, etc. But I do pledge this to you. To be the best pastor I can be for you and to courageously preach the word of God every time I get before you. And not just the parts that I prefer, but the parts that rub me and my flesh the wrong way. Speaking of the whole counsel of God, of course, on Friday, the highest court in the United States overturned Roe v. Wade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't presume everybody here is on the same page with that. But let me just say this. It's not a fix-all, it's not a cure-all, but it is something to celebrate. It is. Because, well, millions of unborn lives will be preserved. And we should rejoice in that. But let me say this. Speaking of the whole council, let me remind everyone here that the highest court had already ruled on the sanctity of life thousands and thousands of years ago when God in his word said that all people, all humankind are made in his image and are therefore beautiful and precious in his sight. The psalmist says, behold, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I'm fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. Listen to me, church. We should never, ever apologize for teaching and preaching these incredible truths. Because that is the counsel of God. That's God's counsel. And it doesn't matter what anybody else says. If God says it, that settles it. If the creator of heaven and earth has decreed a matter, it's over. That's the counsel of God. But it's not the whole counsel. Because we must remember as we celebrate that the unborn are extremely important. But from the unborn to the newborn, from the womb to the tomb, every single person is made in the image of God and is therefore valuable in his sight. White and black, from every creed and every color, we're made in his beautiful image. Fallen and in need of redemption, but nonetheless valuable in his sight. My white brothers and sisters here, you're valuable in God's sight. My black brothers and sisters, you are valuable in God's sight. But we are all one people, not known, not, not known for our skin color. We're known because we're all united by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We're the church of the living God, called to stand on the word of God as a community of people in love with God and with each other. We haven't always been that, though. That's what the unbelieving world finds unbelievable. The counsel of God is that unborn lives are important. Let's get some more counsel from the word. So are the lives of women. Listen to me. 
we in the church, overall in America, which is still with locally, well, kind of locally, just our nation, we had to, we've got to do a better job of standing with women and standing for women. Let me say it again, with women and for women. Mothers, we've got to stand with you. Single moms, we've done, a, we've done an okay job. We've got to do better. How many of y'all know the whole counsel of God says to care for all the people of God? And we haven't always done that very well. Let me just say this, though, just, just to celebrate your faithfulness. Because of the leadership of Pastor Jacob and Michelle, because of your faithfulness in this church, over the last 20 years, you have fostered love. You have championed foster care initiatives, adoption, taking care of the single moms, the women in this church, the pregnant women in this church who mean the world to God. We have helped to take care of them. So you, you, you've done that. You've participated in that. When you give your money, much of that money goes to that very cause. And how many of y'all know that's a good start, but how many of y'all know we've got a lot more work to do? Let me say it again. You, me, we, we got a lot, a lot more work to do. But the whole counsel of God compels us, doesn't it? We're not going to isolate one to the expense of the others. Let's look at all the needs. And by the grace of God, let's be the hope of the world. Jesus in us, that city on the hill that cannot be hidden. Let's be those who stand flat-footed with courage, but stand with love and humility, with the willingness to listen to people on the other side. Christians, don't back down one one inch from your convictions. But remember this, conviction without compassion can be cruel. If you just have a conviction, I'm here to preach, and you don't live with compassion, you're just perhaps loud. You got a good word. But Lord, help us be compassionate. Help us feel the pain that people feel. What those mamas feel. That unexpected pregnancy. What they feel through that pregnancy. Let us as a church, can we be compassionate? Let's try to feel what they feel. And be the church that supports them. Paul concludes by saying, Acts 20, 32-38, And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. I hope I've done that today. And to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. He says, I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and those who were with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus how he himself says it is more blessed to give than to what? To receive. And when he had said these things, when Paul had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful, most of all because of the words he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. Lord, we thank you for this word today. We receive it as your word in our lives.